Hello, I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. I recently finished watching a lecture given by one of my former professors, Dr. Charles Tart, as an invited guest lecturer at the annual conference of the Parapsychological Association. And I'm very excited to share some of his ideas with you because they're very exciting. Uh, now, Many of you will have seen the 10 or so interviews that I have already posted on the New Thinking Aloud channel with Dr. Tart. Uh, many of you are undoubtedly familiar with his books. He has many books. He's something of a cultural icon himself. And uh, let me tell you this. Back in 1973, as I recall, he had an article published in Science Magazine. It was very visionary. It was about what he called state-specific science, that scientists could enter into unique altered states of consciousness and conduct research from within those states of consciousness. They might come up with something new. Well, I can tell you this, it's 45 years later, and there's been very little progress uh, along that dimension state-specific science. But Dr. Tart wasn't discouraged. He proposed some very interesting research ideas in his lecture, and they include the following. You see, if you're going to research consciousness directly, you've got a real problem because it's not particularly observable. You can research it through reports of individuals talking about their own conscious experience. You can research behavior, and you can research people's physiology. But Dr. Tart's now suggesting, wait a second, wait, maybe we can observe the consciousness of another individual directly. How would we do that? Telepathy. And he points out, look, we've had good success now with remote viewing. The government funded remote viewing programs for 20 years in a row. I believe uh, the statistics show they did something like 500 missions for different intelligence agencies. And uh, many of those agencies, I think two-thirds of them, came back for more after they had uh, an experience with remote viewing. One agency in particular had uh, over 170 different tasks they gave the remote viewing team. He said, if we could have highly trained remote viewers who we know uh, very well, we've studied their uh, transcripts, we understand their statistics, their accuracy, and furthermore, he said, the intelligence communities are particularly good at understanding how you assemble evidence from diverse intelligence sources, and you know how to separate the signal from the noise and analyzing all of that evidence. So you get, uh, at the end of the day, a reliable signal, a reliable message, reliable intelligence, ultimately. So we could apply that very same protocol to the problem of telepathy. Yes, you'd have remote viewers basically looking at the mind, the mental activity of another person, perhaps even their subconscious activity, and compare that with reports from those people. He believes ultimately along these lines we might actually be able to get another 
intimate, direct handle on consciousness. And I have to say this, Dr. Tart's proposal is very much, in my opinion, in the spirit of William James' very important notion. It was the last philosophical work of his before he died. He called it radical empiricism. And I think he meant exactly that, that people's direct conscious experience that's as close as you can get to ultimate empirical data. And we should try to introduce that into our science. So, that was one proposal. And of course, if you were to listen to that lecture, and I believe if you hunt around on the uh, website of the Parapsychological Association, you just might find it. I might be able to provide a link, as a matter of fact, in the comments section. Uh, of this video. For those of you who would like to hear it directly, there are actually two videos. The lecture was divided in two. And what I've just summarized is the first half. But now the second half gets even more interesting because in it, Dr. Tart, I call him Charlie. His friends call him Charlie. He's really a wonderful human being and uh, played an important role in me getting my doctoral diploma in parapsychology. Um, he was a very close friend of Robert Monroe, the author of Journeys Out of the Body and Far Journeys and Ultimate Journey. And uh, Monroe has had an enormous cultural influence. His books have sold hundreds and hundreds of thousands of copies, making people around the world aware of the out-of-body experience. And Monroe himself had thousands of them. And early on, before his first book was ever written, he got a hold of Charlie Tart because Dr. Tart was already famous. His anthology, Altered States of Consciousness, was widely read everywhere. I was a Berkeley student at the time, and it seemed as if everybody was carrying a copy of Altered States of Consciousness on the Berkeley campus. Now, I think a big reason for that is sort of the drug culture among college students who were altering their consciousness. But Dr. Tart was looking at dreams, meditation, hypnosis, as well as out-of-body experiences and uh, other very interesting altered states of consciousness. So, Robert Monroe reached out to him and they became very close friends. In fact, Dr. Tart was instrumental in getting, arranging for the publication of Monroe's first book, Journeys Out of the Body. It was like a mind blower when it first came out. And he got to know Monroe very well. He considered Monroe to be a sincere person who was having these experiences. He was a very successful businessman. His institute, the Monroe Institute, still functions on a beautiful piece of property in Virginia that he owned at the time and set up initially. Monroe wanted nothing more than to understand what was happening to him in these out-of-body experiences. And I think a, a person like Monroe, who had literally maybe a thousand such experiences, is a rare bird. I'm going to guess and say maybe less than one in a million people have that kind of talent. But uh, there are certainly other accounts. There's, uh, for example, uh, 
John Whiteman of South Africa has written extensively about his out-of-body experiences. And um, Dr. Tart mentions in his lecture that even, even before he ever met Monroe, he had read the book, I think it's titled Astral Projection by Muldoon and Carrington. And again, Muldoon's a figure uh, who is just trying to understand what's happening to him. The experience is described as one where you begin to feel vibrations in your body, and then there's this sense of lifting up from the physical, hovering above your physical body. Perhaps you turn around, look down, and you can see your physical body there in the bed where it's lying. And according to Monroe, there are different, he called them locales that he was able to visit in the out-of-body state. Locale one would be what you first see. You're looking at your own body. You're in your own room. It's physical. And people having the out-of-body experience are able to travel around in physical space and explore it. Tart set up some early experiments with Monroe to that effect, as, as I recall, or if not Monroe, with other people reporting the out-of-body experience. In fact, Tart initially called it O-O-B-E, out-of-body experience. <laughs> and then people began coming up to him and talking about oobies. <laughs> Which he he found, <laughs> I guess it it gave him a cause for chagrin and a bit of embarrassment. But later on, the initials were changed to OBE rather than OOBE, as Charlie Tart had uh, initially done. In any case, lo locale one is normal physical reality. Locale two that Monroe reported on. You could think of it as, as an altered state of consciousness, a dreamlike realm, a spiritual realm, nothing at all like normal physical reality. The rules were very different and very exotic. Um, locale 3 proved to be extremely interesting. In it, Monroe said, here's what he would do. He would see his, you could call it his astral body, for lack of a better term, his subtle body, his out-of-body body, hovering over the physical body. And then he would roll over, so he's facing down, looking down at the physical body, maybe two feet above it. And then he would notice in the wall of the uh, room where his body is laying, like a hole in the wall. And he just sort of push himself through that hole in the wall right there. And he would enter into a place he called Locale 3. Now, Locale 3 was interesting because he had many trips there. And it was very definite. It was the same each time. It was like our normal physical reality, but there were a number of differences. For example, they didn't have electricity the way we have it. There was no electrical power, but they did have locomotion. They had cars. The cars were wider than they were long, which is very strange and not particularly efficient as a design for cars. It meant the highways had to be wider as, as well. So, Monroe made many, many observations. I remember reading about them and even interviewing Monroe back in the 1970s myself.
as I recall, uh, he died in the 1990s. Um, he was really a lovely man. And in fact, uh, he w invited me to come visit him in Virginia and, and work with him there. But I was a graduate student at Berkeley. And at the time, traveling across country did not seem like a, a viable option uh, for me back in those days. In any case, Tart is now proposing that we could find really gifted people, the one in a million, who have that kind of talent for out-of-body experience. And they could follow Monroe's exact procedure, hovering over the body, two feet, rolling over, finding the hole in the wall, going through the hole, and let's see what they come up with. Is it possible that this locale three that Monroe visited so many times actually has a, a measure of objectivity? It seems like a totally subjective experience, but if you had many people gifted in out-of-body travel who could go there and report on it, and if their reports are not conditioned by having already learned about what Monroe has, has written about, many people don't know that. Of course, it's out there in the culture. You can't necessarily prevent someone from knowing about it. But let's assume for the moment that they just haven't read. You find people who are not aware of Monroe's writing and you take them through this procedure or similar procedures because there are many other examples of people who are having altered states of consciousness and reporting, visiting some kind of specific, repeatable, I'll call, use Monroe's term and call it a locale. And what Tart is suggesting is that state-specific science can be done by exploring whether these locales can be intersubjective in the sense that multiple individuals can have the same experience. And when that occurs, I mean, if you send three or four different explorers to a distant planet and they come back with similar descriptions, even though no one else has seen that planet, we would tend to say, to the extent that their descriptions overlap, they are describing something that has a measure of objectivity to it. And what I expect be, uh, to see in, in the coming decades is a flourishing of state-specific forms of science. In fact, I'll tell you this right now, I've invited Dr. Tart back again for more interviews so we can explore it together. I hope he's able to come. But whether or not he does, I know there are groups of advanced meditators, there are groups of people who practice mutual dream induction where they share dreams together. There are many, many people exploring lucid dreaming now and large numbers of people exploring remote viewing. So to me, the potential for a, a, a new science of consciousness is very, very real. Now, what does this mean for you? If you're not a scientific researcher or someone who would like to participate in such research, is it going to make any difference at all in your life to know that there are pioneering activities going on in the field of consciousness that are going to radically change our understanding of who we are and what our potentials are? I don't know. 
for some people, uh, <laughs> I, I heard today, for example, about 30% or 40% of the people say whatever goes on in the world of politics has nothing to do with them and their personal life. And maybe that's true for uh, in the world of consciousness as well. It may not have much of an effect. But for those of you viewing this in present series of monologues, my bet is that if you look carefully, you'll find, and you probably already understand, that new developments in, in the field of consciousness studies and consciousness research, and in particular, altered states research in the field of consciousness, will have vast ramifications throughout the culture and will affect your life. So, it's food for thought. I don't really have a question to leave you with, but just food for thought. Thank you for being with me.